It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're fixing to have us a good day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby. You're Michael Pappas. What's up, man? Uh, it's, I'm great. It's going to be a good day, Zach. I think so. We heard it from Bruce Pearl just a second ago. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so we gave people homework earlier this week to go back and watch the 2019 Iron Bowl. I enjoyed rewatching it more than I thought I would. It was nice to sit down, turn a football game on, and that was a good game to watch. And also, you, you're able to, unlike other games we're going to pick, for our Throwback Thursdays, if this catches on and people like it, let us know if you like this or not. Because um, we can definitely adapt our content for you guys. So seriously, please give us feedback. But this is more applicable than going back to watch like the 2010 National Championship or something like that because most of these players are coming back. And like the way they use Anthony Schwartz in the first play, we'll touch on that in a second. I, I think it's interesting to see, you know, okay, could they possibly do more of, you know, these certain things moving forward? Kind of get a... Get a shot in the arm in the Seth Williams hype. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, gosh, he had a great Iron Bowl. So um, I, I think that's cool. I think that's cool that we'll be able to kind of look back on some of that stuff. We'll touch on that in a second. Um, but first, we have a listener voicemail, and this is Ben from North Georgia. Ben calls us out. You ready for it? Yes. Sweet. Hey, guys. It's Ben from North Georgia. Uh, thanks for still doing the podcast, even there all this uh, coronavirus crap. Uh, it really helps because – with those of us that are still out working, it's really appreciated. Uh, the question I had was in regards to the player brackets, and I was just curious, what was the reasoning behind leaving off Zeke Smith, mm. who was one of Auburn's first, if I if I remember correctly, I think the first major award winner at the university, and he was mm. on the side of the university for, yeah. or the side of the stadium for years, and also Kevin Green, <clears throat> who's one of Auburn's two Pro football Hall of uh, Famers. Um, seems like both of them have better merit to be on the list, or at least in the bracket, than say someone like Greg Olson, who, as good as a pitcher as he was, he's no Hall of Famer. So either or, uh, that was my question, and uh, yeah, uh, look forward to hearing more of the shows during uh, during the time, down times right now. All right, have a good one, War Eagle. So I believe the two players he named were both football players, correct? Right. And then Greg Olson is a baseball player. So those two, unfortunately, like they're not interchangeable the way we set up our bracket. But should there have been room for those two guys? Yeah, probably. I don't want to toot my own horn. I'm pretty sure both of those guys were on my bracket. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I'm like, well, you know, like should, uh, should those guys been in over Ronnie Brown? Like probably. They probably should have been. Kevin Green especially. Yeah, he should have been. Um, the uh, Another issue that we kind of did think about while we were making it is that we didn't want there to be a sense of, like, when you looked at it, most people aren't going to go do research on the players. They're just going to – if they don't know one of them, they're just going to pick the guy they know. Mm-hmm. Unless they know one of the guys and he's terrible, then they might pick the other guy. But uh, so, but I guess I tried to. Th- 
I tried when I filled mine out. I don't know about you, Zach, but tried to pick people that, you know, I, 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 I knew would be recognized almost immediately. Yeah, and, and Kevin Green, I think, fits that more than... Um, gosh, I'm blanking. Zeke. Zeke, right, yeah. And, I mean, his his face was on the side of the stadium for a long time. I remember it. So, um, I kind of assumed it still is. It may not be, though. He sounded pretty confident in his call. Ben did. So, uh, yeah, we dropped the ball on those two. I'll be honest with you. Um, the, the top 16 for football was far more competitive than the other ones. Um, maybe general standouts because Auburn – this had so many like non big three yeah. or baseball included non football and basketball standouts, but um, yeah, no, we um, Ben, you're right, you're right. We appreciate accountability. I say it all the time. I crave accountability, and you dished it out for us. So we uh, we appreciate that. We also appreciate anybody who calls into the Locked On Auburn voicemail. Uh, ben said, he, you know, uh, I, I'm sure he's not alone in listening to these uh, every day, despite nothing else happening and we would love your help with that any kind of question you can give us please give it to us 205-502-4285 is how you can call into the locked on auburn podcast voicemail machine 205-502-4285 go ahead and save that as a contact on your phone we'd uh, we'd really appreciate it sweet you ready to jump into some iron bowl chatter yeah really fast i have a fun fact for you hit me with about it, man. competitive and standouts uh, so the Auburn women's swim team this season uh, at the SEC championships, the women's 200 free relay swam the second fastest 200 free relay ever swam by female swimmers. Ever. In college or? No, history of swimming. That's incredible. However, it's not the NCAA record because it has that has to be done at the NCAA meet. Oh, and man. So, yeah. Second fastest time ever. This most recent team? Yeah, this season. Like, wow. The, in 2020, in fe- uh, February, I think. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago because yeah. it was in town. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Once again, Locked On Auburn Podcast Voicemail Machine, 205-502-4285. Coming up, we will recap the 2019 Iron Bowl right here on Locked On Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here. Listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we jump into our recap of the 2019 Iron Bowl, I want to encourage folks to head over to our Facebook group. Just search Locked On Auburn Chatter. You can also like the page, Locked On Auburn. That community is growing. People are sharing things, talking about Auburn sports, and we would love to have you be a part of that. So turn on the Iron Bowl, and the very first offensive play that Auburn runs, they run a they run Schwartz on a drag. They throw it to him one yard downfield and let him run for it. Um, he ends up getting hurt on that play, but I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that, and not just with Schwartz. I want to see them just get guys in space and then let them make plays downfield. And that was kind of something that we saw early in in games last year. A lot of scripted early plays to Schwartz, and a lot of really a ton of early scripted plays to Eli Stove. I would love to see the breakdown of mm-hmm. when Schwartz got his number called like in the first two drives of the game versus any other time in any other game. Um, But I love that. 
I love to throw it short and let guys make plays. That's what made Ryan Davis so good several years ago when he broke a lot of records in 2017. And it doesn't have to just be bubbles. A lot of Ryan Davis' stuff was bubbles, but it can be a drag across the field where you know you run pretty much just along the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and you know you just get behind the defensive line and you outrun a guy if you're in man coverage. I would love to see more of that in Auburn's offense in 2020. Absolutely. And it's one of those routes that combines with uh it combines really well with with other routes at different levels and, and things and can be used to expose a defense. I mean, one of the things we've talked about ad nauseum is the the talent of the receivers that Auburn seems to have coming back. And it's uh, whether it's Seth Williams and, and Anthony Schwartz or some of these freshmen, rising freshmen or rising sophomores, I mean, getting guys out in space um, is something really Gus Malzahn has been pretty consistent at, even dating back to uh, like Ontario McCaleb. Yeah, I mean, he was more of a a running back that lined up the slot, but I get what you mean as far as using running left and right to mm-hmm. open up space for you to go north and south. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm cool with that comparison. You, you switched up your your things there. You went right and left, and then switched to north and south. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. You want me to say up and down? That sounds ridiculous to say up and down. No, you could go like east, west, north, south. Okay, that's fine. Once <laughs> again, I crave accountability. Um, there's a play with about five minutes left in the first half where they blitz Smoke Monday. He eventually gets the sack. and Gets I, that smoke. He gets the smoke, baby, on, a, on our boy Mac. But yeah, I, I think he, I think he can do anything. I think he can do anything. We're going to see so much more of him next year. I think he's going to be a big fixture of the defense. And they brought him off the edge. And I think that's something that that Auburn fans could be excited about. This Auburn defense obviously has been very good the past two seasons. It's about to get a lot more athletic. Not necessarily better, but you're about to see a lot of guys that are just so much more athletic than what you would normally see in an Auburn defense. And I think it's because Smoke Mm -hmm. Monday stepping up. Roger McCreary stepping up. Noah Ganagany, I, I think you're going to lose some athleticism there. But with Owen Papo, you got to think he's going to get more time. And, I mean, we talked about several recruits that are coming say, in. It's going to start telling I'm obsessed with these freshmen. But a yeah. bunch of the freshmen that we've got coming in, you know, one of their huge selling points is their, their freak athleticism. Right. Um, I love the way that Kevin still uses his defensive backs. Uh, like you said, he'll blitz them. He'll put them in the box. He'll, I mean, what they did against LSU with the whole three one nine or whatever it was. I mean, it's crazy. It was just insane. Um, I, and if when you look through the last couple of years, like you said, the defense has been really good. But most of these guys, you know, they're it's not top tier talent. That's I mean, even dating back to when it was uh, the twenty seventeen defense with. Uh, who were those? The two safeties from UGA, right? Sure. Uh, Trey Matthews and I don't remember who the other one was. I zoned out for a second. I was taking okay. notes on something. What was the question? Uh, the two safeties on the 2017 team. 2017. That would have been Trey Matthews, like you said, and that wasn't Rudy. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm blanking out. I kind of think it was Daniel Thomas, but I don't it, know. It may have been. He's a three-year starter. I think it was Daniel Thomas. Yeah, because early 2017, I had to like eat crow because I was like, Daniel Thomas is going to stink, and he ended up being really oh, good. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. Okay. And you know, and then 
not to say anything really bad, but we'll see if Daniel Thomas ends up being a pro uh, moving forward. And, and those guys were he will be. good college players, but it's not like he's really had, you know, can't miss NFL prospects in that really the back seven. You know, I mean, some of the he's had some. I mean, Carlton Davis has been pretty spectacular. Jamel Dean. I mean, they've had guys at the corner position, but as far as guys in the middle of the field, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, Rudy Ford got drafted. Therese ended up starting for the Falcons for a little bit. Those weren't Kevin Steele players. Therese wasn't a Kevin Steele player. I think they overlapped one year. Really? Okay, whatever. Not the point. Um, they, uh, I just am so impressed with the way that he uses his his back seven and really – uh, the defensive backs in general, the amount that they do and the amount of havoc that they cause, um, I think it makes up for you know any deficiencies that they've got. Yeah, um, and I, and I'm thinking about it. You may be right. You may be right on that. Um, continue talking about Smoke Monday, though. I mean, his pick six was a thing of beauty. I mean, the ball was overthrown, and Alabama's receivers. I mean, there were several that that were open. But he capitalized on a, on a bad throw. I mean, college quarterbacks are going to do that, especially in tougher situations, and, and he capitalized on it. And obviously, the score there... Um, you shouldn't, shouldn't take anything away from him because the quarterback made a bad pass. That's not his fault. He was in the right place at the right time, made the catch, made the run, scored a touchdown. He was, but if, he, if it was a, a pass that was on the target, he wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time. I'm just, I'm just keeping perspective true. here. That's I'm not true. taking his pick six That's away true. from no, him. No, you're right. But if the throw would have been on target, like if two is there, like it's not an interception. Yeah. Was but, he where he was supposed to be, though? I guess that's the question, right? I, I don't think so. It. I don't think he was. Okay. That's but, fine. But <laughs> I don't think Kevin Steele wants him to like be five yards behind the guy. Jerry Judy's pretty good. So. I'm trying to remember the play. Yeah. I don't remember if he was in front or behind. Like he was definitely behind him. Uh, I I forgot how dominant Waddle was throughout the whole game. Oh, yeah, I mean I remember him being good, but like it was crazy, like how much space he was able to generate and just how good he was in the return game. And it, it's amazing to me how there's so few guys that are so good at returning kicks. Like there's just not many of them, and he's man, he's one of them. Like holy cow! Yeah, it's uh, you know what made that play so much worse? The the it, they sky cammed it. Yeah. Uh, Skycam kickoff returns. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, as soon as they break and you realize, and it kind of turns around yeah. to, to see the back of them, it's like, oh, it's just him and a bunch of green grass. Like, <laughs> holy cow. It, uh, and Zacoby's like chasing him down. Like, Zacoby, you are not catching no. him. And Matthew Hill with the dive there. And you're just like, no. It's like, thank you for trying, but dang. Which do you think happens first to next season, Zach? What? Jalen Waddle gets a headline, or someone uses the headline Mac Attack? I'll go with Mac Attack, because I think he's going to start. Could be like first game, maybe when they announce him as the starter. The Mac Attack? I, I've been thinking that since you said Mac Jones the first time, and... I've got two uh, two lines down in my notes. I I wrote down while I was watching the game. How does Mac Jones not start in 2020? Oh well, the answer to that's Bryce Young. I agree with you. Not in practice yet. That's going to help Mac yeah. Jones. But I mean, just watching Mac, it's like there's no way there's no way this guy doesn't start. I mean, his passes were on the money, dude. Yeah, no, and he played the 
the touchdown throw when he got absolutely laid out by Derek Brown threw yeah. off his back foot, hit uh, the back of the end zone perfectly. Perfect, yeah. yeah. It just uh he should be commended for his toughness. I know that we don't need to say a ton of good things about Alabama, but still. Yeah. Um I forgot about the Will Hastings catch from Bo when they were doing the two-minute drill to go down at the end of the first half. Looked like Bo was throwing it away. Oh, yes. That whole sequence, man. Yeah, I mean, that was beautiful. And then that set up your boy, Sal Canella. I mean, an incredible touch. I mean, Auburn played out of their minds in this game. uh, They needed some flukes to happen. They needed some crazy plays to happen. We'll get to the other pick six in a second mm -hmm. and uh, how the half ended. But, I mean, they, they... they just played out of their minds. Seth Williams had a, like several ridiculous catches. There was one one-handed catch that he had. I mean, was that crazy. was the play before Will Hastings? It was like the Seth Williams one-handed catch on a dime from Bo. Will Hastings on what looks like a throwaway, and then Sal Canella for the touchdown in the back of the end zone. Yeah, just a ridiculous sequence. Bo puts three throws right on the money. Incredible it's plays like those that make you think Bo has so much upside. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Hey, we'll continue breaking this down in some uh, some exciting moments at the end of the game right here on Locked On Auburn. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we jump back into our conversation, we would love to hear from you. Once again, similar to the voicemail situation uh, earlier in the show, we need help with content from our listeners. If there's any lists that you would like us to do, we like doing two-part episodes on lists. It sounds like you guys enjoy those too. Those always do really well as far as downloads go. If there's any topics you want us to do, reach out to us on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn, or you can email us LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. We'd appreciate that. Let's go back to the one second thing at the end of the first half. While it was happening, um, I thought it was kind of crazy that Auburn was getting that benefit of the doubt. And now it's like way removed and we know Auburn wins and all that. It's, I think it's crazy that Gus Malzahn got that call. I think it is absolutely crazy and a little ridiculous. Oh, it's a terrible rule. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible rule. And like, I get why they were so mad about it, being it's, Alabama. Like, like, uh, like, I don't think that was the right thing to happen the, at all. The, like, I, I, it's like the rule as written... I think was applied correctly. Like, I think he was down with one second left, so the clock should have stopped. And then since they had to review it, like, they got to do the the rest of, you know, what happened. But got to line up and go on the, on the, yeah. on the whistle, yeah. And then, yeah. I remember sitting, when, when this happened, I remember sitting, getting ready to do after the game with Dan's, Dan Peck of ESPN 106.7, where sure. we're sitting in Skybar, and I, I remember sitting there and being like, well, they have much more than one second because they have the ref has to blow the whistle, right? And then it's who can react quicker, the timer or the long snapper. Yeah, yeah, and they just snapped it as soon as the whistle yeah. hit, and it, it counted. And I, I just think it's ridiculous, and I agree with you, and that the way the rule is set up because they had to review it. But I just, I just can't believe Gus got that call. Um, my favorite thing about the Zacoby McLean pick six, two things. One, just, I mean, that was a fluky pick. I mean, that was one of the craziest picks. I've watched it like 
30 or 40 times, <laughs> including several times last night. And I still don't really understand how it ended up in his hands. And then uh, my second favorite thing is how much ground Noeg Monogany covers chasing him down from the other side of the field. And Marlon Davidson. Yeah. All like they all those guys were hauling. Um But my, my thing is like, how is Noah Igmanogany? We've talked about his forty yeah. time. How is his forty time not better with him I doing know. that? Maybe he's more of a sixty yard guy than a forty guy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. Because I remember seeing him come out of nowhere. Well he like, catches up at like the fifty. Yeah. And then the uh the other part of that play that stood out to me was that like I, I know it's easy to watch that play and be like, Oh, you know, Zacoby McLean was beat. Whatever. But it would have taken a perfect throw to loft that up over out of Zacoby, Mc, like out of his reach, and then land it in uh, uh, Najee Harris's arms. Possible. Yeah. Would have been a really tough throw, though. The Shivers run, I really think five or ten years from now, we're going to look back as that, that being one of the, the best plays in Auburn history. I mean, it is an incredible run. And just with everything on the line and it being yeah. an iron bowl and everything. and I still really, really wish Spencer Knight caught his helmet. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you told that, when Spencer and I joined the show and you said that, his facial expression was like, oh, I should have. <laughs> um, Prince Tega on that play. Obviously, Auburn's left tackle last year. They moved him to the right, tack, right tackle spot or the right side of the line. And uh, they pull him outside and he doesn't block anybody. And so, Shivers is just like, I'll just handle this. It's well, there fine. There was no one there, right? And then, oh, no, there were people there. Okay. <laughs> but Shivers took care of it. <laughs> and I think just the picture that was taken, the photograph that was mm-hmm. taken of him, you know, the, the contact, I mean, that's just... Can you imagine if there was a piece Spencer caught the helmet and there's just a picture of him <laughs> holding the helmet after the... Fl- and then maybe he, like, holds it in the air and he's like, helmet in one hand, hands above... The- oh, man. Yeah. Come on, Spencer. Yeah, I would have loved to see the picture of the Swiss Army and I handing the helmet back <laughs> to Alabama. How great would that have been? That'd be a great moment. Maybe he just keeps it. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, just run back to the sideline. He's with got it. a like, helmet with number 15 on it. He's like, this is mine now. No. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? I mean, a lot of people, and I see this more from the Alabama side of it, but because of Alabama missing the field goal at the end of the game, they're calling it the doink. What are your thoughts of calling that game the doink? I don't like it, but I don't know. I, nothing else better has popped up. I think that's just what it's going to go down as. Yeah. If Xavier McKinney had popped um, Sean Shivers' helmet off, it'd be like the hit or something. Yeah. But I, I don't really – I mean, you're not going to call it the, the 12 men penalty. like. That's how I remember it. I remember it more from that than anything else. I I've seen breakdowns of that play from like I think Dan Orlovsky had. It's one amazing. Minute. It's like they talk about how like br- the brilliant strategy that's like so small and how has fooling, no one done that before? Yeah, like you're fooling the guys in the booth. You're not even fooling like the coaches on the sideline because all they're doing is personnel matching. So when you walk on the punter, they're like right. punt. And like it, that blows my mind. And the fact that Gus whipped it out in that situation, yeah, on a fourth and four, like, like in your what? own, I mean, with so little time left in your own end, like the whole, just yeah. The whole and, thing. and I wonder what would have happened if Alabama had adjusted correctly. Would they have punted it? Would they have just backed it up five yards and then punted it? 
Could they have just ran it out? I think Auburn had timeouts. I'm not positive. But Maybe it, they would have just let Bo punt it. But it's just a... Well, they motioned Sippos in. Oh. And then it got blown dead. But my favorite thing about that play is Bo seems to be the only one that really knows what's going on. And like, as soon as Alabama's done with their sub, he's like getting excited. And he's pointing to the return guy. And like, he is so smart. Bo Nix, like, he's got it, man. Uh, and watching that game again last night and some of it this morning, like, he, he's got it. I think he's ready to take that step. I mean, he is just so smart. He just got to, you know, fix his tendencies a little bit as far as standing in the pocket a little bit more and and just kind of working on some of his mechanics and his accuracy downfield. I mean, he is he's got it, dude. And it's harder to tell when you're just rewatching one game, but I mean, I remember us talking but, after like, that's the, the game. game. You know what I mean? Like that is the game. And I remember us talking about it after the game how much better he looked in that game as far as mechanics and standing in the pocket and things like that versus some earlier games this season against very good opponents and so you know we've seen the growth we've seen the coachability and and everyone talks so much about how important it is between the ears for quarterbacks and how you know Peyton Manning not a like physically imposing guy Tom Brady not a physically imposing guy like they're just not all-time athletes, but between the ears, they're so much better than everyone else right. that it kind of makes up for it. Michael, where can people find you and hear you, friends? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at CouchPapTato. Follow me on Twitter, at ZBlackerby. Follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnAuburn, and on Facebook, at LockedOnAuburn, and the Facebook group, Locked on Auburn Chatter. We will see you tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked on Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.